0: The
1: path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot more information in. that we your can Your job find is to in. have and we to know why Value
0: courage. Hey everyone, I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. And
2: this is the We Get Real AF podcast, a safe and inclusive place where we redefine feminism and bridge cultural gaps with each
0: episode. We talk with female leaders about things that matter to you most, your health, finances, raising kids, building your career, everyday life, and so much more. Plus, we take a look at how
2: emerging tech and science are shaping our future. Not a coder or a rocket scientist, neither are we. We will spark your curiosity and give you practical advice for living your
0: best life in a world that's changing at lightning speed. Let's learn together. Join us every Tuesday for smart, real, and relatable conversations. And subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also find at We Get Real AF across all social media platforms for exclusive online video content.
2: So grab a coffee, set your intentions, and let's dive in.
0: Today on the We Get Real AF podcast, we are talking about something that is all too familiar to those of us who are parents, that is parental guilt and stress that happen, especially at the holiday season. Our special guest is Dr. Leslie Marshall. Leslie is a doctor of emergency medicine who too often sees the toll that holiday overwhelm take on the people who visit her at the emergency room. So Leslie has some tips and advice for us today on how we can create holiday magic and still have boundaries and balance in our lives. So that we can really enjoy and get the most out of the holiday season, Leslie.
3: Yeah, it can be a head banger the holidays. I mean, just from an emergency position standpoint, there's a big spike in so many negative things in the emergency department, where you know more people are coming in with anxiety, more people are coming in with depression, more people are coming in with suicide attempts, um, and so that in mind we recognize the juxtaposition of what everyone thinks it's supposed to be. So my first message would be edit, 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 edit. There's so much less that we really need to be doing to be able to have our hearts and our our heads in the spirit of this. And I think we get very bogged down by a list of things that are must-do's, whether we carry that over from our own childhood, that this is how Christmas was, you know, in our house and we had this, whether it's the, the list of food, the list of activities, who's gonna have it at their house, and you know, whatever those rituals and habitual behaviors were, we feel like we need to on some level replicate that. And then that's up against what. You know, if if we're married, we have a significant other up against what their traditions were and what their idea of Christmas was. Um, and then we see what our favorite TV shows um, or internet shows are and what Christmas looks like there. And then we talk to people at work. So there's just we are bombarded with so many images of how it's supposed to be, and the words "supposed to be" and "should" are just Bad, bad words, you know, in my mind, because that's where the guilt comes from. A lot of the guilt that most of us carry around is not useful. It hurts us and it ends up hurting the people that we love because it makes us feel small. It turns us into ourselves so that we're not looking up, looking out and trying to engage positively with the people around us. So one of the ways is to to get the, the monkey off of our own back and then decide Early on, you know, in July, you know, what Christmas doesn't have to be um, and get comfortable with that in your own mind. And I think a lot of the guilt, too, can come from we choose to do it. We think we decide we want to do whatever it all. And then we get involved in doing it all, which means we have much less time with the actual people that we are doing this for. And you're just like in a crazy zone trying to be generous and charitable and all of this stuff. And here comes your kid asking for so-and-so. Not, now, don't you see I'm doing whatever. Aunt Mary's going to be here in five minutes. Is that what you're wearing? Go back upstairs and change. So I, and then we feel, you know, we feel like crazy. like what did I just do to my kid? Um, but aunt Mary is coming here in five minutes and you know, she's bringing her judging eyes. So, um, I think we really just need to really be careful and think about what do we want really, really, really. um, And what do we not want really, 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 and start making those changes and thinking about it well ahead of time, because it's just so easy to be swept up and swept away and then feel sorry. Oh my gosh, I bit off the head of my nine-year-old. And, you know, now number one, I can't get ready because I have to go. and and deal with this rupture um, and make it right, even as I'm sitting there thinking, you know, are you okay yet? I'm sorry, are you okay yet? Are you okay? Because I got to get back to the kitchen. You know, that's not who we want to be.
0: I love that you said edit, because I think sometimes for me, it's just like having that one crystal clear concept in my head that then I can go and Back to over and over, and right. you know, like for us, we celebrate Christmas. And for us, when things would feel like they were getting out of hand, I always tried to go back to what is Christmas to our family. For our family, Christmas is is faith based. You know, if if we can keep that spirit and that message alive and and focus on that, then maybe I'm not going to have the best decorated window boxes in the neighborhood or, the, you know, the most robust set of Christmas cookies or whatever, but that's okay because we've still got this core thing. So whatever it is that you celebrate, I think figuring out what that value is and editing down to that will keep you saying, because I do think that when you feel Stressed is when you then become guilt. You start to feel that guilt because you start acting just like you described. I was going to joke and say, you know,
2: Leslie, this is a safe place and I feel personally attacked. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. But because
2: I think that you I love that you were so vulnerable and said what a lot of people are thinking and go through, but don't don't have conversations about. And that's what this is all about. This is what, right. what these conversations are about. And I actually just went through this and kind of examples of not just using this through the holidays, but all times of year. Mm-hmm. Um, my son just turned one and we were getting ready for just a small COVID safe get together in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But that was me. That was me. My daughter, like, hey, and she's four. I mean, she's excited. People are coming. Over. Can you please put your shoes on? Andy, I've asked you 10 times, put your shoes on, please. Oh my goodness. Can you do again? And I need to get this. And And then my husband, like the things I was saying, and I was being... I want to be nice, but I'm also like, all right, guys, we got to get going. Come on, let's nice. go. Why is the dip not done? In the veggie <laughs> plate and so, yes, I, oh, I, I yeah. hear you. I feel you. I see you. I, I am you. I get it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but there was, you know, you said a lot of things that hit home and I was writing notes like, you know, the society and our culture expectation versus reality. And I think it hits home and some of those things of like you know, whether that be your childhood that you were brought up with doing certain things that you have your personal expectation of what good is and what should is and all these positive words that become toxic during this time of year.
3: Growing up for me, you know, in the 60s, I grew up with my cousins. I grew up with aunts and uncles, all very close. I mean, even it was New York City, but all very close, we saw them regularly. So many people now grow up in isolation from those, you know, extended families that are close, that can help, that are there kind of also parenting with you. Your parents are thousands of miles away, and you're Mm. trying to recreate something that took 20 people to do. And sometimes we don't make that connection. Like, what Mm. am I trying to do here? We need to really consider those things. We're living in different circumstances than we grew up. And the sooner we start like really examining what was the best or the good stuff out of that and what can I sanely reproduce because I enjoyed it. And what am I just doing that's just chasing, you know, the rabbit around the track um, Mm. that's not going to do anything but exhaust me and make me, you know, snap at my kids and my husband.
0: I think if you have a tribe around you to help help make your holiday or whatever more special and more doable, that that's amazing. and many of us don't have that. But I think it you know it's it's stressful, even then you have all these people in your house. So I think people have always dealt with stress. I think this is something we haven't figured out how to, how to overcome um, as humans. and I think it's because, again, there's so much pressure that's put on this one time a year, eight weeks of the year, six weeks of the year, when all of a sudden, Everything's supposed to turn into magic. We're all supposed to be happy and, and singing carols and songs and and doing everything just, you know, like a Hallmark TV show. Um, and and I think a lot of times that leads not only to stress and guilt, but it leads to depression. And to your point, Leslie, you started out talking about like the, the mental health tolls on people who feel like, why don't I feel the magic? You mm-hmm. know, and maybe you could talk about that too, because in beyond just uh, stress and guilt, Maybe you just don't feel the magic, and you feel like there's something wrong with you because it's supposed to be happening and it's not.
3: Right. Yeah, if you're seeing and believing what you, what's on television, what's out there in the culture about the magic of Christmas, and you're not feeling magic, um, you, you feel like you feel othered. You are not connected. You are not connected to what appears to be the joy of the global community you are an outsider so that again goes directly against our wiring you know our biology uh and so that's a problem that is not congruent with well-being that also happens with our our kids with ourselves seeing people having their instagram lives or their facebook lives or whatever where it's the best photo it's the best backdrop um it was staged dramatically to make us look great and like we're having fun. We have practiced our smiles five thousand times and our poses. Um, and if people actually believe, well, that's the life she's living. Whatever you know, story they build behind that photo or those series of photos, that also makes them feel othered. Um, and if people are believing that when they see them in real life, you know, and you have to kind of continue that charade, then you feel like you're even putting yourself even more um, inside an enclosed space because you know, you're faking it um, with Instagram, but you've got to live up to that. So there are so many things where we have to, I think for health, dial it down and dial it back to, you know, really basic things and say no um, to a lot of the messages that are telling us what should be done, what is right, what is best, what we can do to, you know, in the next moment, have our great life.
0: One practical tip is to, to not be on social media so much during the holidays. I just wanted to throw that out there. Is maybe yeah. to be intentional about stepping away.
3: How can you be generous with yourself mm. and recognizing that this is something new? This is not what your mom or your dad um, had to contend with, and it's okay, and even warranted, give yourself a break, peel it back, simplify, and, you know, kind of notice, what are your kids really enjoying? And I would say they're enjoying time when you are attuning and in tune with them. We haven't even really touched on, if you grew up in a home where you
0: didn't have lots of families supporting you, or you didn't have a magical holiday. And now here you're a parent, and you're trying to not only keep up with social media and the modern world, but you're trying to make up for something you never had. Mm, right. And I think that that mm. is another facet of this where people get very overwhelmed, and and it can be a really difficult season. But I think the, the key takeaways that I'm hearing from you, Leslie, that I think are so wise, are, again going back to the beginning, editing really thinking about what matters to you and what really doesn't matter to you and then sticking to that it's, it's and which takes a kind of discipline too and then doing whatever else it is in your life whether it's stepping away from the social media, whether it's you know um, limiting the number of things that you participate in, whatever it has to be to keep the to keep at least the chance of joy in the season because if you're doing all the things and at the end of the season all you are is broken exhausted. Then, what did it get you or your kids? What kind of example have you set?
2: Absolutely, showing yourself and and your partner, if you have a partner, grace, you know, grace mm-hmm. and, and and compassion for yourselves, you know, and mm-hmm. and just keeping things realistic. And at the end of the day, to your point, Leslie, too, was time—the time, the quality of the time with your children, um, and your family and your friends during this time of year—is is the biggest because. It can be either the happiest or the saddest time,
3: Mm -hmm. Right. right? To do something with love or to give something with love requires a pause, requires a reflection about your own circumstances, about the person and what you know and love and cherish and want to give them. So there's probably a lot of more knee jerk. Oh, they mentioned that toy. Oh, they mentioned that and I'm going to be able to do in volume what um, and make up for my own childhood or whatever else in volume rather than in reflection and love. So Hmm. look for an opportunity to pause, look for an opportunity to reflect and then make, you know, an informed decision. But I think the more that we can edit and the more that we can slow it down, we do ourselves and we do our family um, a big service. Well,
0: it's countercultural, right? What you're saying is. Is, uh, is literally countercultural. It's yeah. when the whole world is right. telling you do more and speed up, it's saying, no, I'm going to do the opposite of those things. That's
2: hard. Right.
3: It is hard. Completely is hard.
2: And then the thing yeah. is, it's not just like the pressures you're putting on yourself, it's anybody else that's around you trying to make all of those magical things come alive, you know all the things the bickering that goes on between the the two or the three or whomever the group of people around you because of the stress is so high so i mean it just it's a trickle down it's a domino Mm -hmm. effect after that so Mm
3: -hmm.
2: yeah you hit on a lot of amazing points thank you leslie thank you you're
3: welcome it was it was fun talking with both of you it was great
0: welcome to tech talk and here's what's going on in the world of tech and science Instagram has released new features aimed at protecting kids. The main one is called take a break. It allows users to set a timer reminding them to leave the app after being on it for 10, 20, or 30 minutes. And it also prohibits people from tagging or mentioning teens who don't follow them. Now, Instagram already bans people from sending DMS to teens who don't follow them. Instagram will also start nudging teens towards different topics. If they App realizes that they've been dwelling on one topic for a long period of time. This is because critics have scolded the platform for sending users down rabbit holes with its recommendations algorithm leading young girls towards content about eating disorders and anorexia if they're looking at fitness posts, for example. And Instagram said it's also going to be adding some parental controls like allowing guardians to see how much time kids are spending on the app. The company was poised to roll out a kid-centric version of Instagram for users under the age of 13. And we talked about this previously on Tech Talks, but it halted those plans in September as uh, it came under fire for um, the kinds of content and the way that it's uh, presenting information to a especially its youngest users. Uh, The company announced that the changes are happening um, a day before Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri appeared before a congressional committee to testify on Instagram's known mental health effects on kids. Speaking
2: of Instagram, they are planning on bringing back chronological feed early next year. As Sue mentioned, Adam Missouri, the head of Instagram, testified before a Senate subcommittee last Wednesday as lawmakers questioned the app's impact on mental health for young users. He mentioned that Instagram is planning to bring back its version of a news feed that would give users the option to sort media chronologically rather than ranked according to the platform's algorithm, potentially addressing concerns over how algorithms push users into harmful rabbit holes. The company plans to roll it out in the first quarter of next year.
0: Elon Musk has announced that Neuralink, his brain interface technology company, hopes to start implanting its microchips into humans in 2022, next year. Neuralink was co-founded by Musk in 2016, and it's developing a chip that would be implanted in people's brains to simultaneously record and stimulate brain activity. It's intended to have medical applications, such as treating serious spinal cord injuries and neurological disorders. Musk has said Neuralink's working well in monkeys and we're actually doing just a lot of testing and just confirming that it's very safe and reliable and the Neuralink device can be removed safely. He added, we hope to have this in our first humans, which will be people who have severe spinal cord injuries like tetraplegics and quadriplegics, people who are missing limbs next year, pending FDA approval. Musk also mentioned that Neuralink's standards for implanting the device are substantially higher than what the FDA requires. Now, we have to point out that Elon Musk has a track record of overpromising and under-delivering on this. He said in February that Neuralink could start implanting the tech in people by the end of 2021. And back in 2019, Musk said Neuralink hoped to begin human testing, by the end of 2020. Neuralink is not the only company developing brain interface technology. In July, a 20 person biotech firm called Synchron obtained approval from the Food and Drug Administration to to start human testing on their device. And that's something that we um, recorded previously on We Get Real AF
2: popular family safety app Live360 is selling the raw location data of millions of children and their families, according to an investigation by The Markup released last Monday. Live360 is a family location sharing app with safety features such as crash detection, roadside assistance, emergency support, and ID theft protection. It offers membership ranging from $4.99 a month to $19.99 a month. The company, which is in the midst of acquiring Tile in a deal worth $205 million, sells the information to dozens of data brokers who then sell the data to virtually anyone who wants to buy it, which is what the outlet reported. This can include hedge funds and firms involved in targeted advertising or in Uh, Some unique cases, government agencies, such as the CDC and the U.S. Department of Defense. The markups report is based on interviews with former employees from Life360 and location data brokers, all of whom choose to remain anonymous as they are still employed in the industry. The app's full privacy policy includes information on what data is shared with third-party partners and how users can limit what is shared. We see data as an important part of our business model that allows us to keep the core Life360 service free for the majority of our users, including features that have improved driver safety and saved numerous lives, which is a quote by Life360 CEO, Chris Hollis. As Life360 struggles to become profitable, selling location data has become a key moneymaker for the app. Last year, the company made $22 million from location data sales and partnerships, accounting for approximately 20% of its yearly revenue.
0: And those are the headlines from the world of technology for this week. Hey there, we hope you're enjoying the show. Do you work for a company or brand that wants to empower women? We're looking for sponsors for the We Get Real AF podcast.
2: Reach out to us at wegetrealaf at gmail.com for more information.
0: You can also show your support by finding the We Get Real AF podcast at ifundwomen.com. We have patron exclusives waiting just for you.
2: Thanks for listening.
0: Moving on to Profesh Sesh with Elisa Walters, our professional recruiter
2: and talent specialist, where we talk all things career development. PTO, unlimited PTO, These are words that could be one, exciting or triggering, depending on what side of the table you're sitting on. Um, So we hear this term unlimited PTO and, you know, it sounds really delicious and exciting because who doesn't want that flexibility? However, there have been studies and research that show that the unlimited PTO really benefits the company sometimes because the employees don't take full advantage of that policy because they're hesitant of taking that time off. One, and two, sometimes they're not even taking the time off that they would have if it was structured. So Alisa, let's talk unlimited PTO.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a great perk, right? I think there's a lot of pros and cons to it. And I think we've seen like companies like Netflix really take this model early on, you are entitled to time off. And some people need the confines of a structured amount of days that they know that they can take, because that can be a push for somebody to do it. When it's just like, you can take it at your leisure. That might seem a little bit daunting to somebody who needs certain barriers and parameters to, to, to work within here in the U.S. I read a a statistic that said that the average number of days off per year given to an employee is 10. And that we are one of the only countries that does not require companies to provide paid time off to their employees. So PTO in general is a part of your paycheck. So if you are not taking your PTO, that is money down the drain, you are leaving money on the tape, on the table. And you not taking your PTO because you might fear of any kind of repercussions or your manager not being pleased, that's their issue. And you can't make that your issue. You need to take your time off because statistics also show that you taking your vacation and getting time off and getting time away from work actually makes you more productive and also leads to retention and it which is in the benefit of the company and it also leads you to I believe grow more within the company so your PTO is so important and this unlimited PTO I think a lot of companies might be going that route I think especially in this world that we are living in there's so many unknowns of companies merging and getting acquired that an unlimited PTO policy, allows for the company to transition into an acquisition a lot smoother because some states require that a company has to pay out all of their employees' PTO when an employee leaves the company. Other states may not require that. So there's a lot of blurred lines as to who may get paid out when they leave the company, if they leave the company for their PTO, and who doesn't based on what state you're in. So I think we're going to see a lot more companies going to this model because of the complexities around a certain number of PTO days, but unlimited PTO can be very beneficial for a company, also very beneficial to the employee, but the employee has to make sure that they are slating time on their calendar, that they are making sure that they are setting themselves up to get that time. And maybe in their head, If 15 paid vacation days is what they're, they might be used to coming from a different company, then maybe that's how they set that parameter for themselves on their calendar. But you need to take your PTO.
0: That is so interesting because I have worked for companies before where the idea of giving you unlimited PTO would have been unthinkable and unheard of. So do companies I guess if they go with an unlimited PTO policy, does that then exonerate them from having to give you any kind of um, financial compensation when you leave that would represent PTO?
1: Like, how does that work? No, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I think companies might be going to that, Um, especially when you look at global companies like Netflix, because they they have employees all over the world and each country, each state has their own laws around, how PTO could potentially get paid out, how it gets rolled over. Um, so an unlimited PTO from what I understand in, in my limited scope is that a company will not have to pay out any time if an employee leaves a company, because you can take time at your leisure based on, um, your manager's permission. So
0: follow up to that real quick. One strategy could be before you give your notice, maybe to take some time so that, that, becomes part of your, so you're getting paid even before you leave the job? I don't know. I'm just trying to think how to work the angles on this because it's so different. I've never worked for a company that had unlimited PTO.
1: And this will be my first time as well coming into the new year. Let's just say somebody works in the state of New York. Uh, New York is one of those states that doesn't require that when when an employee leaves the company, that the company is required to pay out their PTO. So an employee who might be leaving the company and giving their notice knowing that they have 2 weeks of PTO on the table that they could be losing could potentially lump that into the notice that they give to the company so that they're maximizing and they're getting that's money in their paycheck they don't want to leave that on the table. So I think it's going to come down to employees needing to be creative about that even you know the conversation around sick days there's unlimited PTO but you get a certain number of sick days which I also don't understand how that's supposed to work. Because if you're saying I get unlimited PTO, so why would I use a sick day if I have unlimited PTO? Um, So I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, again, Netflix has a model that they've been using for a while. It's one of their selling points. And I think that some people are really good about doing it and taking advantage of it. And then there are others who still hold on to just taking PTO in general as are they going to return to a mountain of work? Are they going to be seen as not responsible employees because they want to take time off, you know? So I think it's really going to depend on the employee on how they maximize this. If you are that person who needs the confines and the structure of a certain number of days, then you have to make sure that you set that up for yourself and that you are honoring that within yourself. Or you will take fewer days and you will feel overworked and overwhelmed. And you'll just want to leave
2: the company. Alisa, you touched on something um, with the sick days. Uh, I, I'm i in very young uh, mommy land right now. I just had a baby last year. How does that affect uh, parental leave uh, or maternity leave? Because to your point, if you have unlimited paid time off, do you really need another policy that addresses parental leave if you're just saying, hey, I'm going to take X amount of time for my labor and delivery and then staying home with my my child.
1: I do think that there will be certain boundaries with parental leave and a medical leave, an FMLA leave. That's also part of of a government funding. So a company provides... They pay into that. And then my understanding in in a lot of states, California being one of them, is that the state of California or the state of New York may also be contributing into your leave of absence. So I do think that if you go to your manager and say, I need three months of PTO because I'm taking a family leave of absence, I do think that there are going to be boundaries in which you will still have to do that through a lot of large companies use a third party vendor to implement that leave. Um, So I do think that that's not going to affect how a company implements long-term leaves, but it is an interesting question. So it it does beg the question, is it really an unlimited PTO?
2: What are some tips like that you can suggest to people that might be the ones that are hesitant? My husband is one of them. He Mm -hmm. is such a loyal employee and he doesn't want to be a burden He doesn't want to be the exception. But if you're putting in good quality work and you know you're working to your best every day, to your point, you're deserving of this time off. It's to your benefit to take the time off. What are some tips to reframe their mindset on taking this leave when they're in this unlimited PTO situation, if it's brand new to them? Because it could be an adjustment.
1: The number one thing that I would do is reflect back on to other companies or situations where you had a certain number of PTO days and what weeks of the year that you would potentially take time off whether you knew that every November you always liked to have this week off because you'd be traveling for the holidays, whatever the case might be. I really think it's important that you set up clear vacation goals and you add that to your calendar and you have a conversation early on with your supervisor to make sure that you get that time approved. So that's already locked in. You have to be your own advocate in this situation and you do have to make sure Sure, that you are setting time on your calendar as if you've got days to use, if that's what works for you. I think you also need to remind yourself that work is still going to be there. And if it's a matter of your mental health versus, you know, pushing yourself to, to, to just one more day that you're like, I can't do this job anymore. You need to have a realistic conversation with yourself and know that you have to set those boundaries for yourself. Because again, I think we as an employee feel like if we take PTO or we're utilizing this benefit, we don't want to be seen as we're taking advantage or we're being a burden and we may not be loyal to the company, but taking time off is so beneficial for your productivity and managers and leadership. If they are good managers and good leaders, they will recognize that you're loyal to the company and you're making sure that your needs are being met, that can create overall happiness within a company. Knowing that you can come back refreshed, it can lead to promotions. It can lead to increased growth within the company. And If you're not taking that time, you are more prone to depression. You are more prone to illness and sickness. So you want to get ahead of that. And if it means being strategic and looking at your calendar year and being like, okay, realistically, when do I like to take time off and getting ahead of that and getting in front of those dates in front of your manager as early as possible so that you know you're covered and you're taken care of. And then If you're just feeling like, oh, I'm I'm having a week, I'm feeling very overwhelmed and I feel like I just need some time because I'm just overall feeling not well, not being afraid to say, I need a day. I know that that's also what prohibits people from taking time off is coming back from a mountain of work and going away and stressing about the amount of work that they might come back to. That takes practice to be able to, Shut yourself off from that. You know, my my colleague and I we actually took a trip together, and I took my computer, and she was so mad at me, and I was just like, it's okay. I'm only gonna go on at night and I'm gonna respond to a couple of things. That is your time off that you are being paid for. And do what you need to do. Take Slack off your phone. Remove email from your phone. If that's what you gotta do, that's what you have to do. And you are entitled to that and no one should make you feel you are off the grid.
0: That is so important. And it's so difficult. My youngest daughter, Kayla Robinson was on the show with us recently and she just um, started a job and she got really sick last week. And she was like, Oh, I just, I don't know if I can take time off. I, I, she didn't feel right about it, but she was actually really sick. She had a high fever, all the things. And because she's working from home, she kind of felt like, well, I can still drag my computer and I can still get the work done. And this brings me to my next point. As you were talking, I'm thinking about this hybrid world that we're living in Elisa and how all these lines are becoming blurred nowadays, right? And if you're, you know, when you're working from home, we know that there's a certain amount of flexibility that can be built into that, where as long as you get your job done, if you need to go pick up your kids in the middle of the afternoon and set them up and then come back to work, we applaud and endorse that flexibility and that that work-life balance. However, I'd love to hear your observations about how you do draw those hard lines in the sand for yourself so that hybrid work situation with unlimited say PTO doesn't become a life situation where you're never really fully present at work and you're never really fully present at home.
2: Uh, Thank you so much for saying that Sue. There are people, again, I'm going to point to my husband, he would be the first one, at least the they, they allow me to work from home. You know, they allow me to, again, putting the employer on this pedestal of superiority, right? Versus like an equal playing field. They're paying you for a, a service that you're mm-hmm. providing them, which is getting like the parody, work done, yeah. right? There's parity there. At what point do you say, I literally need to cut the telecommunication <laughs> off here to have time to myself versus this flexible work environment hybrid. Oh, they allow me to do this. So I'm not going to lean into the PTO the way I should.
1: And I think that that's where unlimited PTO might actually be beneficial in the sense that if you're working from home and you wake up and you're sick and you can't work, you're slacking whoever and saying, hey, I'm I'm under the weather. I need, I need the day. There's not that level of, I need to get in there and I need to make sure that I get my sick day in there. It's just kind of like, okay, you take care of yourself. You get better. Also, I've been very fortunate enough to have leadership in the last four years that have been very mindful of their employees' mental and physical health that will be the first to say, you shut down, you get rest, because we're no good to them if we're not at our best. Again, any good manager and any good leader is going to recognize that and they want you to be better so that you can do your job as productively as possible. And then be able to retain you because you feel that you haven't been able to to take time off when you need it or take a sick day when you need it. And then you get so burnt out that you just, you just want to quit the job. So in the long run, You are doing a service to the employer that you're putting on a pedestal by taking that time off and making sure that you're, you're shutting down with the remote work. Yes, it'll, it its a little bit unconventional because you're not waking up and being like, I can't go to work today. Let me call, call my boss and tell them I'm not well, we've cultivated this society right now where it's just like, everybody's accessible. Everybody is on. So it's up to you to make sure that you're honoring your body, honoring what you need, And it might be something as simple as putting Slack hours. Slack has a lovely little emoji that has a little thermometer in their mouth that says, out sick. Put that up there, pause your notifications, don't have your email around you and keep your phone away from you the, those are the boundaries that you as a as an individual you have to set and it's good practice for all areas of your life but you do especially in this remote environment
0: and it's so hard because you're not only changing your own habits but you're changing other people's habits of expectation i remember i was on a a trip to europe once and because my coworkers had my phone number and they were used to texting me they texted me i mean i think you know, they tried to be respectful, but at the same time they had questions and they were like, oh, I'll just shoot Sue a text. It's just a text. It's just really quick, but it it is difficult because then you never really get to shut off that part of your brain. And to your point, Alisa, that is so important for work-life balance, for your longevity with the position and for your productivity in a role. So uh, yeah, it, it's tough because technology has made us so accessible. It's hard for us to know really what our own boundaries are.
2: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the more we have these conversations, obviously, the better. They need to be not taboo, right? We're having this conversation between all of us and we're very like-minded, but it should be happening within companies, right? To make it acceptable to make it like an everyday conversation that yeah you should be taking time for yourself etc um and then to your points sue about things in the past like i think it was also feeling like I, I need to put that out there that i am accessible even though i'm gone right if you need anything feel free you have my number you have my email like i still have internet right like
0: mm-hmm.
2: reach out if you need to so it's like you're giving them permission by saying that because you feel like you have to say that, right? So it's like this weird situation that you're putting yourself in, but it was more so like a, I should let them know because that makes, that shows that I'm a loyal employee, that I'm all these things that I need
0: to prove that I am. Part of the team. And the other thing I think is, well, first of all, yes, the fact that we're so interconnected now, a text doesn't feel like a big deal, but when you keep getting them it really is a big deal. And especially if it's a work tax, but I also think another thing to um, maybe consider if you're in an unlimited PTO situation, Alicia, i I love to hear your comments about this is taking a look at the team schedule, especially if you're on a, a small team and kind of trying to be considerate of what has to be managed within that team. That's another way of showing that, yes, I'm being respectful of this policy, but I'm going to use it.
1: Yeah. I think that At the end of the day, my understanding is that a manager is going to need to sign off on it. And hopefully that manager um, is being strategic in their thinking and can have a transparent conversation around that. You're going to have to be your own advocate here and you're going to have to kind of measure within yourself what you're going to accept. I do think the, the sooner you can communicate what you need. And getting those dates in. And I think it's going to come down to team camaraderie too. You're going to cover for this person, but they're going to cover for you. If it's a small team, everyone's going to kind of have to come together and work together to make it happen smoothly and successfully. I agree. And just to touch on the communication,
2: clear and transparent communication. I think just being really vulnerable and saying, hey, you know, I'm flexible in these areas, but I need this. And these are the reasons why. Um, yeah. it's always the best, the best advice. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And if you need tips on how to communicate effectively, <laughs> there's a whole whole ep- <laughs> few episodes that we did on it. So yes, yeah, I, I, I love that being very clear, communicating what you need, um, and knowing what you're willing to bend on and what you, what's a non-negotiable, um, is, is super important. I did want to mention that I had a, an HR executive, one to in, when we started in this remote environment with everything that's happening, both personally in the world of this global pandemic, and then also being a leader in HR at a global company, trying to navigate that as well, she would put her slack hours. And it specifically called out, she was not going to respond after 6pm. Um, and it specifically called out her slack hours. I think, as you're moving in this environment of remote work, unlimited PTO, we've talked a lot about technology and being accessible. You might want to examine, are you using your personal cell phone for work and getting reimbursement? Maybe you want that separation of church and state. Maybe you need to have a company cell phone so that you can leave that behind. You can shut that off so that you're not easily accessible. I'm guilty. I've always used my personal cell phone because I don't want the two phones. Um, it's probably better if I had to. But this weekend, for instance, I got a I got a, a text message at like nine o'clock at night from somebody asking a question. I'm not responding to you. That's not my job to give you the lesson in what's a professional and what's not. But I will tell you that I'm going to respond to you at my leisure because this is not within working hours and I'm not available. I'm on PTO, whatever the case might be. So you might also wanna look at your communication uh, tools that you're using, maybe making sure you're switching to all work communication tools, cell phone, computer, et cetera. Um, And then also if you do work from home and you are taking PTO, if you have an opportunity to have a space and an office that you can close a door when you take your time off, you close that door, you shut that down and you don't think about it. You just, you go and enjoy your time off.
0: It takes a lot of self-discipline. And in this day and age, you know, it used to be that you had 24 hours to respond to a business email, you know, and that was considered good etiquette. If you had got back to somebody within 24 hours, you were good to go. Now it feels like, it's, you know, you have to get back within the hour or they're going to find you via another messaging system. So it comes down to drawing those lines in the sand and then not only holding other people accountable to them, but holding yourself accountable to them too. And and circling all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, that can be a really hard thing to do when you want to be super conscientious and a go-getter, but you got to do it for the long haul. So thank you, Elisa. This was fantastic.
2: Yes. Thank you. All right. Time for... Anything Goes. Where we talk
0: just about anything. Holiday time is here. And that means... uh... The to-do list is mounting and so is the stress for a lot of folks. Vanessa, how are you holding up as Christmas gets closer?
2: I'm okay. However, I do feel that creep like I'm looking over my shoulder and the overwhelm's kind of like rubbing their hands together <laughs> and saying, "I see you. Um, <laughs> coming I, for you." <laughs> you know, as Jason and I sat down and made our list of everybody we need to buy for and we've created a budget and how much we're going to allocate to each person. So, we're we're there. Um, but now I'm kind of like, okay, I've given myself a timeline of within the next like five days, I want to be done with Christmas shopping. And that alone, I'm setting the pressure on myself. But if I don't hold myself accountable to that timeline, I feel like I'll wait and procrastinate. And then it's like a week before. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. I still so haven't gotten for that person or that person. I just don't want that extra stress in my life. So.
0: It's so hard. It's yeah. so hard to dodge that stress. And that's smart giving yourself a deadline like that. We're recording this the second day of December. I just returned from Spain yesterday. I was there for the month of November. So, um, and I, we've had some travel issues uh, getting one of our family members back. She's, she's still actually over there. So I have not focused on, on Christmas at all yet. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited for the holidays. I'm excited to, to see the decorations that are starting to pop up around me here. One thing I'm really trying to do this year, and I say this every year, is is really just streamline and focus on the meaning of the season, mm-hmm. which is our faith and, and being together as a family and just being with people you love. So I have to keep resetting and reminding myself of that. And I think it's helpful because I do don't have little kids. I'm not buying tons of toys and things like that. So that helps Mm -hmm. for me. But it's so important
2: what you're mentioning is to reset and really think about what this season is all about. I will say more so than any other holiday in in my lifetime, I feel the most grounded and the most, I guess, present in my gratefulness, if that makes sense. Because I found myself yesterday, even though it was December 1, (laughs) um, I was like, you know what? I am so grateful for all the blessings that I have. Um, And again, the last couple of years have been really tough on so many families. And I'm, you know, very aware of that, but there have been so many silver linings and being able to lean into more family time, really taking advantage of that in the most positive ways and really just saying, I feel so blessed to to be in a position to provide that magic for my family during this time of year, really being grateful for a a partner that I can, can speak openly and transparently uh, about just anything that I'm feeling good or bad during this time. Um, The people that I have around me, you know, I've just, I felt very grateful and I know that we're coming off of like Thanksgiving too. So it definitely leans into that, but to your point, just resetting, Yesterday I did. I it didn't feel like this um, overwhelming sense of like I I can't even catch my breath. It was like a okay. I'm going to set my timeline,
0: and I'm okay. This is going to happen. Well, and I think too, like when I look back to when my kids were little, it they yes they were excited about the presents and the things that they had under the tree Christmas morning. But what they remember is just sort of the atmosphere of love and excitement and anticipation and fun mm-hmm. around the holidays season. That's what makes the holidays so special. And, and so, you know, that's the thing you don't want to sacrifice in the midst of a to-do list. One of the things that I'm really grateful for having adult daughters, one of my daughters just um, texted me when I was on actually on the plane back from Spain, she had found through her church, a um, volunteer opportunity at a food pantry here in the Charleston area. And she texted me and said, do you want to do this with me every Thursday for the month of December that this is going on? So we're going to be doing some type of volunteer work um, for a food pantry. And that's something that it's wonderful to be able to, to not have to be the one to organize that, but to have that opportunity to be with my adult daughter and do something really meaningful and look at Christmas from that perspective. So I'm excited about those together moments, Mm -hmm. Uh, more than ever before. And especially again, we were just talking about we're coming out of a pandemic, we're coming out of a couple of holiday seasons where people maybe didn't have the opportunity to be with loved ones. And um, I'm going to be with them this year. And I'm so thankful for that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's interesting, because I would love to cover really leaning in and enjoying moments without having that. I don't know that feeling of like, things are too good when is the shoe going to drop? Like, Mm -hmm. have you ever felt that? Because like Mm -hmm. I'm in that time, like where, yes, I know that there's there's a little bit of chaos that's coming and I'm trying to get things done. But there's also, again, with my sense of just gratefulness and gratitude that I'm like, things are just so nice and so Mm -hmm. good right now that I, I want to enjoy it and lean into it. But I'm also scared that if I lean into it too much, that again, the shoe is going to drop somewhere and it's going to crush me. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why I do that to myself. I know that I'm not the only one, but that kind of just doesn't make it any better in my head. Like, I'm like, why do I do this to
0: myself? And I would love to explore that. Yeah. That's a really good point. I do think it's, um, I felt that way before Vanessa, where things are going so well and uh, deep down, I'm like, I don't, deserve to have things be going this well, especially when I see what other people are going through. Right. And it's kind of like, can pinch me? <laughs> this is, but, but you're right. You can't, you can't sit in that thought because then you're not, you're not really embracing and appreciating and enjoying all the good things that you do have. And it's mm-hmm. not like you can change the future. None of us can
2: well, exactly. see what's going to happen. And in, in order to be fully present, I mean, mm-hmm. you should be leaning into these moments and really just eating them up and because there are going to be times in life that things aren't always that way. So, and to be happy and not fully enjoy your happiness, that's just torture. Right. I was reading this article about how, you know, even though something that happens to other people, something that doesn't directly affect you is still PTSD that you're experiencing from just hearing what's happening in the world because you're having empathy for that, that Mm -hmm. situation. Um, so yeah, just a lot of things that happen, you know, obviously that we know the news kind of focuses on, on negative and things that we should be aware of. Don't get me wrong, but a lot more bad than good. Sometimes that maybe leads into my, you know, thinking, uh, the shoe is going to drop any minute, even though it feels so great right now. And I'm scared of that. And again, anything having
0: to do with my kids, I'm just, oh, (sighs) I freaks out. <laughs> yeah. I hear you a hundred percent. It's, it's feeling of sort of apprehensiveness. Yeah. And you know, when my kids were really little, I think I went through more of that. And I, I think um, maybe it's because it's just the mom gene or the, whatever the mom thing is, when your, your kids are small, you feel so responsible and so protective of them. You always feel that, but mm-hmm. as they get older, you get reassurance that they are able to care for themselves. And, you know, there's, there's some more distancing that happens that you don't have when, when you're hundred percent responsible for those little lives. And I, the reason I'm remembering this is because I used to hate to fly when my kids were little, I was so Mm -hmm. nervous about getting on an airplane. And even though logically I knew that airplanes are built to fly and most vast majority of the time they do just fine at that. Um, I still would be so scared, and I think it's because I felt so responsible for those little kids back home, and I just mm-hmm. couldn't imagine not being there for them to grow up. And those things kind of hover over you like a like a shadow. Oh my god! And I- now I'm I'm it's the same person, but I can get on an airplane; it's no big deal, mm-hmm. you know. And I never would have thought that would have been me, <laughs> yeah. Know, uh, several years down the road, so I think it's just having awareness that you do have this apprehensiveness because you are in a season of your life where you're so, so, so responsible for these precious little humans. And it just makes everything feel bigger and closer to you. No, you're, when you said
2: hover, like that feeling of just looming, it's a looming feeling. And even Mm -hmm. though I'm feeling so happy and I love this time of year, like I love it. Like I, everything about it, I love and and the meaning behind it, Um, especially now as a mom, it's just intensified, but I I'm almost like teary-eyed just thinking about it because it's so pronounced and I don't Mm -hmm. like, I, I want to enjoy, I want to be present. I want to lean into it wholeheartedly. Um, But to your point, like even when you first bring them home and you're making sure that they're breathing (laughs) at Mm -hmm. night, you don't want to sleep because you want to continue making sure that they're breathing and you can't sleep because who's going to watch them (laughs) if you're not watching them? It's it's kind of like that, but it's different. I mean, they're a little older, you know, Anderson's in school and, um, you know, all the factors that you can't control while they're not under your watch. Right. And, but also knowing that you've got to give them freedom and that's how they grow and flourish and become their own person and just a lot of things, but nothing. I, I, I say this because it's a, a weird, it's a weird feeling. Like you're happy, you're excited, you're feeling all this gratitude, but then there's this like little thing in the corner that's like, don't mm-hmm. get too comfortable. you know. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I want to just shut that thing up, whatever yeah. that thing is, whatever term it is for that feeling. I just want to just put it in a box and ship it away.
0: Like, let me live. <laughs> exactly. Right. and Let me live in the moment and let me celebrate this because whether I do or I don't, if something bad happens tomorrow, I will have lost this moment right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called and I don't know what the fix is, but I do think it's very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're unusual that way at all because I, again, I remember now that I hear you talk about this, I remember feeling those feelings when my kids are really small and I still do sometimes, but not as much. I don't know if that helps. (laughs) No, I mean, just talking it out. I know we both love what we do for so
2: many reasons, but one of those things is just having people to talk to, just say like, hey, you're not alone. Like, these th- these thoughts happen in other people and these are the ways that we've coped with it. So hopefully those are resources that you can use so that you can cope and and maybe redirect your thoughts, you know, that type of thing. These are always therapy sessions for
0: me. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I mean, just listening to you talk about this, like when we were in Spain, my girls came and visited individually and it had been a while since any of us had flown because of the pandemic. And when my middle daughter, Christy, went back she had a few changes in her flight schedules we've all had, and she was really anxious and she she's like super duper organized and she was in knots getting on that airplane. Mm. And that was so hard for me. I was like, as much as I have loved being over here, like it would be so much easier if we were all just back in in the U S and I didn't have to worry about because putting her on 24 hours of travel across the Atlantic ocean, knowing how she was feeling, On her own, really not knowing. Yeah, Yeah. it was so stressful for me. And David, my husband just, you know, looked at me and was like, honey, everything's going to be fine. You know, this is good for her. She got back. She was fine. You know, Mm -hmm. she now has a confidence of having done that, but it's not all that different from when she was a little kid. And I sent her to kindergarten the first day and I was just anxious all day because I wanted her to come home and tell me that she had had a wonderful day. So you never stop being a mom. Yeah. No, we don't.
2: I, I get it. I, and it's again, uh, Bre- Brene Brown says parenting is the most exquisite and within the same breath, the most excruciating thing you'll it ever is. experience and ever do. Um, and I wholeheartedly believe both of those things and feel
0: both of those things. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pace yourself. <laughs> it's a long road ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, brick, yeah. brick by brick. But overall,
2: it's a busy time of year. Try to center yourself. We're feeling all the things, you know, but Mm -hmm. also just setting timelines, preparing as much as you can, and knowing that there are some things you're going to be able to control and other things that no matter what you do to control them are going to happen the way they happen.
0: So Mm -hmm. just trying to let that go. Good wisdom year round, (laughs) especially (laughs) with holidays. Yes, definitely. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on We Get Real AF. Make sure you subscribe
2: to the show and text this episode to a friend. Find us at ifundwomen.com.
0: We have patron exclusives waiting for you. Plus, you'll just feel good. Special thanks to our WeGraph Live events and technical director, Mitchell Machado. You can find Mitchell on LinkedIn, spelled M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-M-A-C-H-A-D-O. And we wanna give a big thanks to our podcast sound designer, Sam McLean, that's spelled M-C-L-E-A-N, of InPhase Audio.